Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I've got my friend Vince Miller in studio. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. He's looking for a pair of headphones that work, so it'll be on in just a minute. We've got a great show planned. We also have Dennis Allen coming on as we continue our series of the red uh, words in Scripture. So this will be the words of Jesus, and he's focusing on a a verse out of John chapter 6 today. So I'm looking forward to spending an hour talking about a verse in John. That's going to be very interesting. But you know Vince, he does a lot of ministry to men primarily. His website is bberesolute.org. Vince, welcome. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So in the green room, we were just chatting about some kind of disturbing statistics. And one was that there, and I heard on Carmen's morning show today, that there was up to 43% of evangelicals don't believe Jesus was God. That's disturbing. I think it is too. I think it should be a hundred percent. It should be a hundred percent. I know. I uh, I think we're living in a time and a day where, if that's Christians, that that bothers me because they're clearly putting their faith in something. Maybe they don't understand what they're putting their faith in. That very likely could be. So if that is the case, and we're not putting our faith in. Jesus or God, then what are we putting our faith in? Mm-hmm. You know, is it yeah. just a nice idea? Or? Does it sound a little bit like biblical illiteracy? Does it sound a little bit like deception from the enemy? Or does it sound like maybe that person that identifies as a Christian but really isn't one? Oh, you just went there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't know what that one. That, I, I'm going to have to spin on that for a little bit. Maybe we can just talk it out for a couple minutes. But I, I think that People for sure, I don't think, understand what it means to serve a Lord. I think they love the idea of a Savior, but they don't understand the concept of serving a Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we don't get uh, a second choice on this thing. We really just get one choice, and the choice is to follow a Lord to whom we surrender our life. And if we really don't understand who he is, then it makes me question what we put our faith in, because we... Uh, biblically, we're supposed to be putting our faith in the Lord who lived, died, and rose again. Mm-hmm. And by accepting him as our Lord and Savior, just by putting our faith, by believing that he did those things, we assume that he is the God of all creation yeah. and that he plays a role in that Trinitarian force that's at work within us. And then we receive that spirit from him. So, you know, there's been a lot of names given to uh, that kind of, I'd say, partial belief, like carnal Christian, or maybe it is a misunderstanding, or maybe it's a misappropriation of the gospel. Like maybe when they were hearing an explanation of the faith, they didn't understand. Now we know that Jesus uh, talked about it a, a number of times about what it meant to make a decision for him and then produced fruit. You know, we know the parable of the soils, obviously, mm-hmm. that appear appears in the Sermon on the Mount or toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And we should understand from that there are some people that just voice an opinion about God, but then 
uh, essentially it doesn't take root or the ground is too tough or the weeds are too thorny. So there is some of that at play here. But um, to not believe that he has got in the first place is a disturbing fact. Mm -hmm. That's a big number, man. It is a big number. And I think when people hear Lord and Savior, they're more comfortable with the Savior part than they are the Lord part. Oh, yeah, because I think it all starts with us wanting to be Lord of our own life. Totally. That's where it, all, it totally begins. So that could be part of it, but but it could very well be just a misunderstanding of the gospel and a misunderstanding of really who Jesus is, but that's where everything begins. I think that's really why we need to understand who we are and who Jesus is, and in light of that, we make a decision about who he wants us to be and then therefore surrender who we are to him Mm -hmm. is where our relationship begins. So it's a great question. Yeah. I mean, if you come over to my house and I don't recommend you do, but if you (laughs) did, I couldn't say, come in Vince, stay out Miller. Yeah. Because you're, you're all or nothing. Yeah. I'm all in all the time. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, Of course you are. But I think that's the approach sometimes people take with their, their walk with God is they say, all right, come in, save your part, stay out Lord part. Because I got some areas in my life I want to be in control of. Yeah, you know, there, there, there probably is a little bit of a difference. Uh, this this kind of gets into some theological jargon here, but it, there kind of is a little bit of a difference between understanding that initial, that initial ascent to Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. And then along the way, there's this kind of awareness that sure. we have, a, a growing awareness of how much sin is in our life and how much we have to continue to surrender in our journey, right? So every day, you know, you think you're going to grow closer to God, but really to some extent you realize how far you are from him. But the beauty of a relationship with Jesus, God in the flesh, is that uh, as we discover how sinful we are, we discover the extent of his mercy and his grace and his love to us right? And not our reliance upon ourself. And so the older I've got, the more sinful I realize I am, Mm -hmm. but the more that I need his grace, therefore, the more I talk about his grace, love, and mercy through my weaknesses, through my fallenness, and the more I discover that he is Lord of all things, even the deepest confines of my heart. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's probably where I go with that. What what is the hope you have in your heart for uh, life and eternity? What is it? Vince Miller. The hope that it, that lies within my heart is the reality that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again, and that for me, he's accomplished through those events the defeat of that separation because of my sin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I put my faith in, the fact that there's going to be a day where we have a reckoning where Jesus comes again and that my name is going to be written in the book of life mm-hmm. and, you know, the... Uh, God's uh, angelic beings are going to look into that book. They're going to see my name and absolve my sin uh, because they see me through the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus and what he did for me. God will pour out his wrath on all mankind one day. But for me, I'm going to reach for the resurrection of Jesus Christ as my defeat over sin personally because he was my proclaimed Lord. And I'm going to hang on that, hang on to that until he comes again. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, John three eighteen says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. At one point, Vince, were you in a place of condemnation? 
I what? think right into that moment that I truly believed that Jesus Christ was my Lord. Now, yeah. that, that the hard part, I think, for all of us is understanding when that moment was. It, it's a moment of belief. And the, where you were born from above. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I carry around in me uh, God's spirit, and I'm in this flesh that's dying daily. By the way, I'm reminded of that every day, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And my hope is for that renewed body, and I'm putting my hope in what Jesus did for me, right? That he is going to not only, that he not only has the ability to overcome sin and death, but my sin and my debt to raise me to new life to be with him in eternity because the other choice ain't that good. <laughs> yeah. So did you go from uh, being in a place of condemnation outside of God's family to a place inside of God's family where you were now not condemned? Oh, yeah. I think that verse says that. Well, I know that's that, what that verse says. I'm right. asking you, Vince Miller. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I think it takes time for us to understand how that condemnation falls off. Because, I mean, let's be honest, I, I, I work with dudes all the time. I think they live with a voice of condemnation in their head. You know, they weigh on that. Uh, I was reading First Timothy today, and that's kind of where my journey is. And Paul, right at the beginning of First Timothy, is talking to Timothy about the fact that uh, there was a way that he used to live life. There was this former life, and he talks about it as if it is in the past, which is the way we should talk about our sin as something former, a way we used to live. Mm -hmm. But then he begins to emphasize the mercy of Jesus and how that mercy is where he puts his faith and he rests in that mercy. That mercy is now his identity. His condemnation is the voice of his past. His present reality and his future is who Christ says he is and Christ called him out of a life of condemnation and told him, and he said it himself, therefore there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And I think actually that's Paul proclaiming it, not just because he understood it, because he knew he needed to hear it in his past because his past was ugly. Mm-hmm. He says it himself in First Timothy that he was the chief among sinners. You know, he was foremost among those who persecuted Christ. But, but get this, he had to live beyond that condemnation. And I don't think it's easy in this world to live beyond that because people are shouting at you all the time. People weaponize our past against us all the time. And we hear the echoes of that, not just from our past, but from people. And we have to find a way to live beyond the condemnation. And the only way to do that is to hang on to the truth written in God's word for us. Yeah. And speak that, and I call it preaching mm-hmm. to yourself about who you are in him. Mm-hmm. Thus, Ephesians 1, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, loved, adopted, redeemed, full of grace and mercy and truth into God's family, no longer condemned. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Vince, when you take your last breath, uh, w- will you be in his presence? And do you have assurance? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, I will okay. be in his presence, and uh, he will He will call me by name, and I love that. Yeah, and I do too. I, I run with the strength of that every day. That That's awesome. There's going to be a reality for me waiting in the future that I can realize the prize now, Yeah, regardless of this dying shell did and the pain I live with in this life. Yeah. Did you think I'd come out sparring with you today? Man, this is good. Give me that coffee I brought you <laughs> Vince brought me, and I, I, I've never seen a cup this large from one of those popular coffee shops, I won't name the coffee shop, but it is the biggest cup of coffee I've ever seen. 
Yeah. And I need to take a break because I need to go to the bathroom. So I'll be uh, right back with lots more of Vince Miller in just a minute. You can go learn about Vince at BeResolute.org. How many books have you written, Vince? Just over 20. Just over 20. Not much of an overachiever, but I'll work on them during the break. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome to the show. Vince Miller's in my studio, and I uh, always enjoy having Vince on the program. You can go learn more about Vince at BeResolute.org. B-E-R-E-S-O-L-U-T-E.org. BeResolute.org. He's written over 20 books, and he just recently came back from a retreat, which is a men's retreat, and he talked about David. And Vince, what I'd love to talk about is David's inner strength. What can you share with us? Yeah, you know, I think uh, one of the things I like about David is that we can read his private journal entries, which is a a pretty cool thing to do if you think about it, Um, to dig into someone's kind of deep inner secrets, you know, and you can do this actually in the Psalms. You can dig into his heart and kind of see who the man was behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, one of my favorite psalms is psalm 22 i'll read part of it here to you but he starts it with my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning of course those should be familiar words right we Mm -hmm. heard those from jesus on the cross which i'll come back to in a second but uh what i love about david is his the level of transparency and emotional awareness we see from this guy is kind of crazy good because I actually think it was part of the secret to his strength is he's very open with who he is, and he was very emotionally connected to what he was experiencing all the time, which I think is exactly the opposite of most men today, because we are not transparent and we're not always emotionally aware. But it brings me back to one of the stories of Jesus when he was early in his ministry and the disciples were kind of gathered around him and these little kids were coming to him, right? You remember that moment? Mm -hmm. And the the guys kind of tried to protect Jesus from these little kids and you know, he says, hinder not these these kids from coming to me, these children from coming to me, because I think he was actually trying to teach adults something valuable about children, that they have a sense of transparency and vulnerability and uh, abandonment and, wonder. and recklessness. Yeah, I know. There's so many mysterious things about yeah. them that we lose in adulthood because we kind of, quote unquote, outgrow them. Mm-hmm. But I, we should never outgrow those things. Mm, and that's agreed. what I love about David here. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This this kind of deep, chilling moment of his life where he feels deeply far from God and he feels very, very distant from him. Yet we know at the same time, God is not distant from him. In fact, you know, I think Jesus cries these out on the cross for a number of different reasons. But one of the reasons is, I think, because Jesus at that moment in in his flesh probably did feel very far from his father. Even though he knew that wasn't his present reality at the moment, he was beginning to feel a distance from God because God was going to have to turn his back on him. But at the same time, I think he cries them out on the cross 
to help us understand that it's okay as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a follower of God to feel distant from God at times. And therefore, he's reaching back to the voice of David saying, David, I knew, I know how you felt in that moment, and I know how you feel right now in this moment on the cross. And uh, we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Like, I I have those feelings sometimes, too, where I have moments where I do feel very far from God. In fact, there's probably listeners listening today who feel very far from God. Of course course there are. And, And God wants you to know that he's not far from you because he's been where you're at. I mean, the God of all salvation yeah. has been where we're at. Maybe it took everything they had to turn on uh, Faith Radio today. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe that it, they took, it took everything they had because they feel so far from God. And then they hear these words. Mm-hmm. That's where God wants to come close to us. It's, it's not just about us feeling far or close to him. It, it has a lot to do about the stature of his character, his attributes, the truth about who he is. And for those people, they need to hear God is not far from you mm-hmm. at all. It, it may feel that way, but your present feelings aren't the fact about what God has already done, done in the past, will do in the future, and wants to do in your life right now because he desperately loves you and understands exactly where you're at. And he if you have hope in him, will rescue you uh, when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Vince Miller is my guest. You can learn more about Vince at his website, beresolute.org. Vince, why do you think people feel distant from God? Do you think something has come up short? There's been a human disappointment, a, a something that didn't work out, and they think, well, God wasn't there for me. What do you think it was, in, at least in your case? Well, I think in most cases, it's it's uh, something not going the way we want it to in our life. Therefore, we feel distant. And sometimes that's because we have a misunderstanding about God. But sometimes it's because we have sin in our life and we feel the pain, the kind of the emotional distance of that thing. So sometimes it's this misunderstanding about who God is because he's not far or near. He's he exists everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. He's ever present to us. So sometimes we have a misunderstanding about him. I think other times we 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 experience sin in our life, therefore we feel this this distance from him. And it, it is true. God looks down upon sin. He brings his wrath upon sin. But he loves his followers and he extends grace to them. And sometimes our problem is we have trouble accepting that grace, right? Because all we see is the ugliness of our sin. And sometimes we need to understand his grace and his mercy and what that means to us. And that is greater than all our sin. (laughs) I mean, it is. It truly is greater. So we have trouble believing that because... Well, grace is too good and our sin is too real, you mm-hmm. know, it's too physical. Uh, sometimes it's it's an emotional experience, to be quite honest. I think a lot of people have pure emotional experiences with God and, and they experience it very emotionally. And because their world feels like it's falling apart, they feel like God isn't present. But there's a lot of moments in the Bible where David, who we're talking about right now, had moments he felt very, 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 very far from God. This is one, Psalm 22. 
too. Mm-hmm. Yet we come to Psalm 23, which is the very next psalm, and he understands that he's got a shepherd who's with him, who guards and protects and looks after him and gives him a fresh drink by cool waters. I mean, so there, there's a little bit of a dichotomy in our physical experience that causes us to experience this at times, but we have to drive our minds and our hearts back to what is true. And the only thing that is true is what God says about us and what he has done for us. And those things, that truth has to supersede the feelings that we have at times. Yeah. When I ask myself how I'm feeling, I usually end up in trouble. But if I tell myself what I know, then I'm much better off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's you know, this is hard for me. I was talking with a friend about this this week. Like, how do we know that our feelings are true? How do we know when we've had a, a truly spiritual experience and there's an output of that? Like, for example, when I'm in worship or I hear a word from God from the pulpit that it just drives at my heart. I, I think some of that stuff, some of those feelings are true to form, but sometimes we allow those feelings to drive our life and they lead us down a path that we shouldn't go, thus making us feel like we're far from God when that's Never the truth. Yeah. I've heard people say, well, I don't, I don't feel like God loves me. And they're, they're Christians. Or they must um, express everything in a feeling sort of way. And I always say, get back to what you know. What does the Bible teach? What truth can you speak to yourself? Because that's what David did spoke truth to himself. Well, exactly what Jesus did when he was being tempted. He kept coming back to the knowledge of the truth, even in the moments that he was in the most despair in his life. What did Jesus do? He started with his thinking. Right. It is written. Yeah. He just kind of repeats back God's word, which is funny when you think about it, because Jesus was the living word in the flesh, (laughs) repeating the word. It seems redundant, doesn't it? But not at all. Not at all. So the Savior does that. We should do it, too. It's the truth about us. So maybe he was feeling far from God in that moment. I don't know. But he was in despair. But he was fighting off the demons, the demons of his feelings. And let's let's remind ourselves that his encounter with Satan took place in the wilderness the whole time. Oh, yeah. We have a record of him towards the end of his time in the wilderness having a real encounter, but he was experiencing Satan from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just That's escalated. a long 30, it's, 40 days, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think any of us want to go through that. No. But no. the only way to fight it is with the word, the sword, God's word itself. It is. And you have to know it, and you have to have it available, and it has to be in your heart, and it has yeah. to be opening, you open your Bible and you, you get with in fellowship with people that you know and trust mm-hmm. and you start talking about it, well, that's, praying it. I think what you're saying there is really important to say in contemporary terms too, because it, I think what you're saying is spot on, but let's just say it in contemporary terms. In this world where the culture is vastly changing and terms are taking on new meanings, there's only thing, only one thing that doesn't change. It's God's truth. And like I say, we got to preach it back to ourselves yep. constantly. We got to preach it because it is the only thing that's stable. And if your feelings are unstable, you got to go to the place where they can find stability, where you find your faith. It's in God's word, through his truth, and in trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's awesome. If you want to receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic, you can sign up for uh, at, for the verse of the day at myfaithradio.com. I think you should do it. I think it's great. And if you want to share your faith radio story, is if faith radio has become a part of your daily journey with God, we'd love to hear your story. You can share how God is using faith radio to encourage you and to help you grow. You can do that also at myfaithradio.com. 
Resolute.com. Vince Miller is my guest in studio. You can learn more about Vince at BeResolute.org. We're talking about David, and when we come back, we're going to do lots more of that. We'll be right back. I'm enjoying a cup of coffee that was brought to me by Vince Miller. I'm just looking up on the website the size of this. It's 20 fluid ounces of caffeine. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm calling you at 2 in the morning when I'm not sleeping. (laughs) Hey, Vince, you want to talk? Because I'm I'm, I'm up. Are you up? Are you up? You want to talk? (laughs) Why would you do this to me, Vince? I thought you liked it. I don't know. I thought it would be funny. Or hilarious. Yeah. It tastes so good, though. So thank you very much. You're welcome. We're talking about David today. Uh, Vince was just recently at a a retreat speaking, and he taught on King David and... uh, Let's talk about David's war with sin. We learn about that in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Yeah, that's one of my, I mean, this is like one of the classic stories of all time, David and Goliath warring with sin, you know, and the way I kind of set it up with these guys this last weekend, I was actually in New York at a Young Life camp, was I I kind of talked about the, the essence of David coming out to this battle. These guys have been out there for over a month and nothing's going on. They, they, they're showing up to war. So two, two armies are at war. The Israelite and the Philistine armies are at war. They come out and they cheer for war. They, they set up for war every day. And then this man, Goliath, shows up and presents his proposition. It's bring out your best warrior and let's, let's, let's settle this mano y mano, you yeah. know. And, of course, Jesse, uh, David's father, is at home. He's got three, at least three of his sons that are in the battle at the present and uh, Jesse doesn't hear anything about the war, I assume. And then he has David load up a meat and cheese platter and yeah. he brings it out to him on a donkey, you know. Yeah. And uh, they get out there and David shows up and there, there's like nothing going on. I mean, <laughs> there's no war. No one's been in war or engaged in it whatsoever. But he hears this proposition and he's like, what's going to be done for the guy that does this? And his brother's going to heckle him a little bit, you know. And then he, he continues to ask what's going to be done. And then Saul hears about it and... He goes into Saul and, you know, he he shares with him the, a little bit of his resume that he used to keep his father's sheep, which I think is a laughable resume, right? I used to keep my father's sheep. And Saul sends him out into this battle, which for me, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to see when I get to heaven. I want to see this battle on slow-mo in HD, dude. I just think it's good. It's like <laughs> we'll, we'll watch it together, okay? I would love that. Right. We'll show you, up. Yeah. I'll buy you a ticket. How oh, about that? Nice. I'll, I'll so, bring coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, it, it, this this moment is laughable. You got a 15-year-old boy. You got a 9-foot-tall man. You mm-hmm. got a, a boy with a shepherd's crook and a stone, and he runs out in the battle. And, and for me, this is indicative. I think the story... Uh, is indicative of what every man wants to be. I mean, it is the glorified moment that I think men see themselves in but don't know how to put themselves into the story. And yet at the same time, what David did was so simple. 
he wasn't fighting a giant. God was fighting the giant. What he w- all he had to do was fight the apathy that lied within his heart. He had to fight against the ridicule of his brothers. He had to fight against the impossibility of the moment. He had to run into battle with what seemed to be ridiculous tools. He had to be heckled for having those tools by a giant, and he just had to be faithful. And I, I think it's remarkable what God does with a man who is willing to bolt out into the battle that mm-hmm. God has called him to fight. And it's not a fight against people. I think we misunderstand that when we hear the story of David and Goliath. And remember, it is a historical true story. But it's a battle against the apathy that lies within our own heart. And I think if more of us as followers of Christ, men and women, fought that apathetic impulse to do nothing and say nothing, and the moment that God is calling us to speak up and do something, we might see God do ridiculous things. Because really, I think what David realized is that there was not just a giant before him. There was a massive almighty God running behind him. Mm -hmm. And we need to look at life a little bit more like that. Uh, Just like we started off talking about it as we, you know, began the show. It's like, if that God is that real, we will do sometimes ridiculous things. And so for me, I want to see that moment in slow motion. <laughs> I want to see when David runs out into that battle mm-hmm. to face off of the giant. I think we might be surprised that the television might reveal that God was running behind him and was about to carry that little tiny stone and deliver it right into mm. the forehead mm-hmm. of that man. Vince Miller's my guest. And Vince, if you think about placing yourself in what appears to be impossible situations where if God doesn't show up, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good illustration of that. Yeah, I, th- I think we actually, it's not to test God, though. No, I'm not saying it's testing right. God. I'm just saying guys like you and me, yeah. we put ourselves in situations mm-hmm. where if God doesn't show up and be part of this plan, I'm I'm not going to make it. Right, exactly. I've done that numerous times. In my I life. have too. I, and you know what? I... The best part about that is you can't steal God's glory because he did it anyway. (laughs) That's the best part of the whole thing. If you want more of those moments in your life, you got to let him be king of those moments and let him get all the glory. And I actually like it when things are a little bit out of my reach. Sometimes they're a lot out of my reach, (laughs) right? Yeah. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't have done too, right? So let's be honest about that. But, you know, there's times when things are, are out of your reach where God shows up and he does something and you have to say this. His glory, not mine. Mm-hmm. And you just keep pointing up. And and I think that's actually what happened here. Now, unfortunately, in the situation with David, they started singing his praises, and he has to learn how to deflect that, right? He has to learn how to deflect it. Because David knew that it was God who killed that yes, giant. Yes, he did. Right? He understood that. He understood that when he was running. But he had to continue to live in that moment where... Uh, he had to deflect the glory that people wanted to project onto him, that women wanted to project onto him, that the king wanted to project onto him, that Jonathan wanted to project. You know, it's going to happen. And I think David dealt with a lot of that in his life. I, mm-hmm. I think he had to find ways to keep himself humble and place him before God. We see that in the Psalms. If you read them, you'll discover he keeps putting himself, you know, altering the ego before God time after time after time again. Mm-hmm. And there are a few moments he didn't. We all know that. Vince, I'm sure you've seen at least one or two in the movies depictions of that moment where David is up against Goliath. Yeah. And as a guy, you start to go, ooh, this this is not an even match at all. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if 
I would have done what David did. I, I think I would have, would have been one of the apathetic soldiers sitting around imagining myself in it. Mm-hmm. But man, to throw off the king's armor, to grab a shepherd's crook and a few stones from a creek, yeah, and to run out in that thing like he did. Amazing. I, I've honestly, I think. God had a good choice there. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Vince Miller's my guest. You can learn more about Vince at BeResolute.org. Vince, let's talk about David's need for brothers. Okay, so yeah, so this is a great moment. This is one of my favorites, okay? So David comes in from battle, and you can't forget he's got a, he's got a giant sword in one hand. He's got his, his melon in the other, right? <laughs> because he's carrying his head back. He just lopped it off. Yeah. And he's walking back in, and uh, in the very next chapter, we discover that, that Jonathan has watched this battle unfold and Jonathan's soul becomes knit to him. Like that's what it says. It says his soul was knit to him. And, uh, you know, some people misunderstand the relationship that Jonathan had with David. I think it's, uh, you know, they, they see it as homosexual in some ways, but I think that's a misunderstanding of spiritual brotherhood because there is a relationship that we have in our family, meaning the, the the body of Christ that is so incredible, it's indescribable. And I actually think Jonathan is describing it in that moment, the soul knitness that we have. In fact, Jesus uh, brought attention to it when he was uh, standing in a house one day and his, his brothers and sisters and his mother were trying to get to him and they're outside and Jesus points around the room and says, here are my brothers and sisters. And uh, there's a soul knitness that we have. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters. And it, it it supersedes human relationships for us because it's there's such a soul knitting there. And Jonathan, of course, was about 10 years David's senior. So he's an older guy in his life. And I believe that, in, in my own opinion, I'm interjecting this a little bit, but I think Jonathan was taken to David because Jonathan saw things in David's life he wished he saw in himself. Yet at the same time, Jonathan was also valuable for David. And I think even the people that are listening today need to hear this, that we were engineered for spiritual community in such an important way. Paul drives at this uh, in the New Testament, when he's talking about the body of Christ, basically, my gifts are for other people, not for myself, because if they are for myself, I would become arrogant and puffed up. My gifts are for other people. And guess what, Bill? Your gift is for me, right? And Rosie's gift is for me. And that's how the body of Christ works is when we're active in community, we experience the blessing of one another in a very soul-knit, spiritual mm-hmm. way that is indescribable. And I just think God has created the most ingenious idea ever that we would be in this community so we could experience the richness and the resources of our relationships to one another. I mean, that is the coolest pro bono system for getting anything you ever want at any time (laughs) right inside the body of Christ. Yet some people never experience the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. They might experience it right here on the radio or they might experience it through sermons they listen online. But there's more to it than just this, not to dismiss that what we're doing here is very important in people's lives. But we got to find that brotherhood and that sisterhood and those relationships and that community where we can live that out because we're if we're not in it, we're missing a lot of it. Uh, even at the very beginning of time, uh, God saw that Adam was alone. Not that he was surprised by that, but he created him for a relationship. Why? Because God was in relationship. <laughs> God 
God had a relationship too. He has the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and he designed us in his image, and he wants us to live life that way too. And I know I'm stronger when I have other relationships in my life as well. They make me better as long as I don't resist them. I don't know. I'm kind of bloviating now, but no, uh, it's good. it's helpful. It's real good. When you think of the, the time-honored tradition of rich friendships like between men, and I think we we've lost out some of that because you start to wonder how many men have really close friends they can pretty much say everything to. Yeah, I I have to work at that though, Bill, just to be honest with yeah. you. I have to work at it. I like even this week I met with one of my my closest friends. His, his name is Steve. He's very intelligent. I love meeting with him because we can spar like you and I did at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show. Like we could we could talk about these things, we could think and we could push ourselves and we could be open and transparent like we're talking about here with David. And we could dig into the deep truths, the things that we don't hear talked about. And then we can we can dig into some of our issues and we can push into our relationships and our marriage and our kids and 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 the dreams that we have about life and I can just walk literally there's a few relationships I can walk into at any moment with my guard completely down, literally say anything I want, not be judged by them, but be pushed in those relationships as well. Mm -hmm. I love those moments. And yet at the same time, I got to force myself to be in them. I actually have to push myself to be in because I I think we prefer autonomy, (laughs) Uh, relationships with no accountability. We prefer to sit in the pew and walk out, right, On on a weekend service. Uh, we want to avoid small groups because it takes time. We don't always mm-hmm. like the people. We can come up with every excuse in the book. But honestly, until we've really experienced the richness of it, uh, man, we really haven't experienced the richness of the spirit working in community uh, with us and for us. Mm-hmm. So when you're venting with Steve, uh, do you find that words are coming uh, freely and readily because uh, are you kind of an internal processor, Vince, where you're better off being in your man cave for an hour to think through things? Or is it better for you to be in the presence of Steve and just be blabbering everything that's going on in your heart? Yeah. So when I'm writing, I like to be left alone so I can think. But when it comes to personal stuff, I, I like to just kind of talk it out. Okay. That's that's kind of what I, I like to do. Yeah. And I, I got to have those places. So I, I think introvert or extrovert, whatever you want to call yourself, none of those things actually matter. But it just matters that you're actually in those relationships with other people so you can explore it and understand each other. And so that's always my challenge to guys is – uh, especially at retreats like the one I was this weekend, is to go home with another man on your mind, mm-hmm. meaning you're going to reach out to him and you're not going to wait too long before you give him a call, you buy him a steak dinner, <laughs> or you reach out to somebody you want to mentor that you're going to invest your life in. I mean, we, we were designed for that and we've got to live in it and be faithful to it. To not be in it is to not be a Christian. Yeah. I mean, it's to not be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Do you have a friend you can just call at one in the morning and say, I know I'm waking you up and I'm sorry I'm doing that, but I need to talk? Yeah, I'm kind of afraid you're going to call me at one in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm going to be up from the biggest cup of coffee I've ever been served in my life. <laughs> so you get used to it, Vince, because yeah. I'm calling tonight. All right. Yes, no. I, yes, I do. I, I absolutely 100% do. I assume okay. you do too as well. I do. Right? Yeah, I do. And, it, you know, I'm, I would not apologize. I, I would say, hey, I need to talk. And it's one in the morning and I know I woke you up. But... They would go, I, I don't care. What's mm-hmm. up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we need those friends. Right? We do. We do. And I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think also we need, uh, you know, your wife would, it'd be nice if she had someone she could call at four in the morning 
when she hears a window break in the basement and you're on a road trip. Exactly. Yeah. You know, is there a friend of yours or someone that says, I am on my way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, good. Yeah, I've got a dozen of those. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. They okay. work in law enforcement, too. So it's a warning to anybody listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to take another sip of my jumbo coffee, and then when I come back, lots more with Vince Miller. Learn more about Vince at BeResolute.org. We're talking about David. When we come back, we're going to talk about David's leadership. That's First Samuel chapter 24. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. Reflective song, Rosie. What do you think it about is. that? Yeah, I, it is. I just, yeah. All right. All right. I, I don't know why I grabbed it, but I did. Well, I like it. I all like right, it. There yeah. you go. Vince Miller's in studio. We're talking about King David, and Vince. Let's uh, move to uh, David's leadership. We learn about that in First Samuel twenty-four. Yeah, I I like David as a leader. I I think he had this. It, it's he he is unique. Like. Every time I've read his story, which spans a couple of books of the Old Testament, by the way, I, I've always been intrigued with how he led. So the one moment that I just taught on over the last weekend was this moment where he reprieves to the valley of the Engedi. So what has happened is he's defeated Goliath, Jonathan and him build a relationship, and then, uh, you know, he has this kind of interesting relationship with King Saul. It's constantly in tension. I kind of wonder if Saul isn't a little bipolar, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, one moment Saul loves David, the next moment he doesn't. But, but clearly he's threatened by David because David has quite the, quite the following. Relationally, he's got it all. He's got a lot of things. I mean, the guy can sing. The guy has women after him. He has mighty men. He defeats every army. He really does. He has everything I think a guy wants. Okay, so women want him. (laughs) Men want to be like him. Exactly. It's the mystique is ridiculous. It is. It's pretty high. Yeah. So a true Renaissance man. Yeah, I I think that you and I are a lot like him. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going there, Vince. But thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So anyway, you know, he he uh, he he's running for his life now. Okay, so he's left the house of King Saul. He's running for his life. He uh, he appears in the middle of the desert in this place called the Valley of the Engedi. It's still there today. Uh, the water still flows out of the ground. The spring is still there. But as you enter this cavern area where the stream flows out, there are hundreds and hundreds of caves right there. And I've been to the location. It's quite interesting to see all these kind of holes in the the side of this. A cavern. And, um, you know, David hides in one of them with a few of his guys. And so uh, King Saul comes back from battle, from battling the Philistines. He then hears that David is out there and David is trying to get away. He's trying to get away from this guy. He's tired of him. But Saul pursues him. And the crazy thing is, is that Saul 
mounts up 3,000 men to come out and find one guy, which to me seems a little bit like overkill, mm-hmm. <laughs> 3,000 guys. So they march out to the middle of the desert where they hear that David is, and King Saul has to use the bathroom, okay? Probably like you do right now, drinking that big old coffee. <laughs> and uh, no kidding, you know, he, he, heads out, he heads out there, he has to use the bathroom, so he slips into a cave. Okay, out of the hundreds of caves that are there, he picks the one that David is in. I mean, what's the probability of that, right? So he, he's got his pants down, you know, and he's relieving himself. And the men are in the back of the cave, and they quote to him these words. They say, this is the day that the Lord has given your enemy into your hands, which is a promise that God had gave David, that, he, that all of his em- en- enemies were going to be given to him, that he was going to be glorious mm-hmm. at war. And, well... David does this really interesting thing, which I would not recommend doing. He crawls up behind this guy, and uh, he, he's, he's, he's about to take his life, but he chooses not to. He cuts off a corner of his robe, which he's let down, and then he crawls back, and he says to his men that he should never do this thing. Well, there's a couple of things that I've always taken away from this situation that I think are leadership moments of David for me. The first thing I think he does really well, really, really well, is he seeks, he seeks God's will in the situation. Now, you have to think about it for a second. That's probably pretty hard for him to do uh, because, by the way, he's trying to get away from Saul. He's hiding in a cave. Saul shows up outside with 3,000 men. They're there to take his life. Now, the probability that he would choose that cave to go into is very, very tiny. I mean, it's super tiny. It's like mm-hmm. winning the lottery. Then his men repeat back a promise of God to him, which they have, by the way, twisted. So these are good men that have twisted a promise of God, delivers it to David. David thinks, yeah, I can agree with that. I can see that. I could understand that. I could receive that as God's promise to me, right? He could have. But as he's crawling up behind this guy who's naked, (laughs) suddenly his conscience strikes him. And he says he cannot do this thing to God's anointed. It suddenly hits him that he can't do this, that God has anointed him right now, king of Israel. So he has to go back and he has to do a very, very risky thing. So not only, only is he seeking God's will, but he has to go back and speak God's will to these men, which is risky. Here's how risky it is. He's got to go back and tell them, I'm not just putting myself in a risky situation. I'm putting you in a very risky leadership situation, but I want you to get behind me on this one because it's not God's will for me to take their life. God's will for me is to be obedient to him until God removes him as the king of Israel. Mm -hmm. And that always to me has been the marvelous thing I think about many moments in David's life is seeking God's will not your own, and then speaking God's will, not your own. That's the way great leaders lead. And I got to tell you, if I was in this moment, I would have done this. I would have gone, you know what? Very risky situation outside. He chose this cave. You're right about the promise. And guess what? I am tired. Everybody wants me to be king. This is the one moment I got. My sword is in hand. He is vulnerable. Take what is mine. That's what I would have said to myself. I would have justified it, but David didn't justify himself. He allowed God to be the justifier, and because God was the justifier, guess what happened? He walked out of the cave, and God saved him. Just as simple as that. Saul spared his life again. There wasn't bloodshed that Mm -hmm. needed to happen. What it needed was a faithful leader 
And David chose to do that. And I think we miss out on miracles from God because we don't seek and speak God's will rather than our own. We got to do this in our lives. We've got to do this more often, especially in those moments we feel unsure or we feel overconfident. We've just got to go to God's word and seek and speak his will, not our own. Mm. That's what it means to lead. Yeah. It means to follow God because we're not the yeah. leader. Uh, it's an awesome illustration of, of leadership. Yeah, it's remarkable. I think this is one of his one of his finest moments. Like, yeah, I, I would agree. Because all the chips are on the t- I think this is better than the Goliath story, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. because at this moment... He's much more mature. He's much more armed. He, he, he could have, he could have done it on his of his own will. Where the previous story, he couldn't have done it of his own will. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so Vince, we've done a pretty artful job of talking about David and then avoiding the Bathsheba story. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and guess what? We're out of time. So oh man, we'll have to do that next time. We can't. Uh, we can't talk about it this time. But yeah, it'd be yeah. it'd be good to talk about that. David sin. That's one thing that we really didn't cover. Uh, but that is illustrated in the Bathsheba story. Yeah, yeah. No comment. No. <laughs> I I thought you might have a little tease, but you don't. <laughs> I don't. It, it's too much. I know. You know I know. It is. It's How just do you too start much. Start that without I don't getting know. down. Yeah, David's David sinned and then he repented. There we go. Is that, that there we go. That, that's all I was looking for. Uh, that, that's all. And so, so can we. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So what, what is your most recent book? Uh, most recent book is not out yet. It's going to print right now. It's the okay. book of Proverbs. It's a five lesson study on the book of Proverbs. Okay. I'm super excited about it. It's a book of wisdom for people who need wisdom. Nice. Nice. I did not write the forward, did I? N- well, yeah, you're in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to bring that next time. We could talk about Bathsheba and the book of Proverbs. Well, that'd be great. That'd How be great. That? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for being oh, thanks a great guest. Me. And I love having you on. Vince Miller is my guest, and you can learn more about Vince at BeResolute.org. He also uh, has a daily devotional, and you can subscribe to that. And it's about a six-minute video devotional. Yeah, that's what I thought. Videos, awesome. guys I've like seen videos. It, uh, yeah. Guys like vids, and they this lasts about five, six minutes. Instead of reading something on a page, you can get a little bit of Vince on a video and just head over to BeResolute.org. All right, we'll take a little break, and then Hour 2 is ahead. I'm looking forward to Hour 2 because we're going to return to our Red Word series, and Dennis Allen is going to be our guest, and we're going to talk about a passage out of John chapter 6, and that's all coming up just around the corner. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.